As we started this evening, I, I mentioned that we're, we're our, during these Advent services, we're going to be meditating on the Ten Commandments. We'll do the first three here in Advent. We'll get through some of the rest of them during Lent. Uh, so the scripture is the commandment that God gave to his people. Uh, so for us tonight, it's the first commandment, and this is what it is. You shall have no other gods. As we begin, would you, would you pray with me? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you for your commands. Uh, they are good for us. They show us the way that we are to live with you and the way that we are to live with other people. When that law accuses us, when your command accuses us and crushes us beneath its weight, we pray restore us and forgive us by the blood of your son Jesus. Uh, when that law awakens us to to live for you, we pray, motivate us and compel us by the blood of your son Jesus that we might live and walk in the path of your commands because for the sake of your son Jesus, these commands are not burdensome, but our hearts have been set free for us to live and run in those commands. So grant that to us, uh, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been taught, maybe this is just me, but we've been taught to, to avoid the extremes of things. You know what I mean? We're, we're kind of taught to stay in the middle of the road and to avoid the ditches. So, for instance, we're, we're told we shouldn't drive too fast and we shouldn't drive too slow. We should hover around the speed limit. In fact, we shouldn't exceed it. We're not supposed to anyway. And we shouldn't go too slow because that's dangerous. Too fast is too dangerous to. We're told that we shouldn't, we, it's okay to drink. Alcohol, that is. Water is good too. But not too much, right? That's not good for us. It's not a godly way to live. We, we avoid extremes. It's good for us to eat, but not too little and not too much and not the wrong kinds of things, at least too many of the wrong kinds of things. You, you get the idea. It's good for us to work, but not too much or too little. It's good for us to sleep but not too much or too little. You, you, get, you get the idea. I think I could go on and on and talk about the extremes. We're, we're really told, and maybe this is just me, we want to avoid the, the extremes and walk in this narrow middle road where we don't go too far that way and we don't go too far that way. We want to keep ourselves within the ditches. But one of the things I, I was thinking about and you can tell me later on if this is a good thought. I hope it is because I'm preaching about it. <laughs> is I wonder if the extremes can actually serve as a blessing to us. See, th this, is, this is my way of thinking. The extremes, whether it's too far this way or that way, the extremes of our life, they help us identify what our gods are. Because if we go too far this way or to go too far that way, I'll, perhaps I'll, I'll try to help you think about what I mean when I'm saying too far this way or that way with some different examples. But they help us think about what am I trusting in? What am I chasing after? Where am I seeking good? In other words, if I'm too far this way or too far that way, it really would push me back toward the center to where God is. 
Because I wonder if idolatry is in the extremes, and the extremes help us see where we're trusting things or seeking things or leaning on things or looking for things that we ought not to be thinking for, about. But I'll get to that, what I mean, in just a minute. When we think about the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, we start, first have to start to ask a question, well, what does it mean to have a god? Well, Luther explains it this way. He says, to have a God is that which you trust in, that you believe in, that you put your hopes in, that you cherish. That's what a God is. And, and Luther, in, as he defines it this way in the large catechism, he is not necessarily narrowing his definition down to who, what does it mean to have the one true God. He's simply saying, what does it mean to have a God? Because that's what the commandment is about. You shall have no other gods. You might have other gods, well, what they end up being is not really God's at all. So what does it mean? There's perhaps some questions we can ask. What does it mean to have a God? A God is that which you trust in and you lean on to protect you, to, to provide for you, to guide and govern your life. That's what a God is. A, a God is, is that which you look to to protect you. A God is that which you look for a little bit like a bird looks, a chick looks at her mother or his mother saying, give me what I need. A God is that which we look to to give us what we need, to give us what is good. Right? That's, in a, in a word, what a God is. And, and I wonder if you're like anything like me, your first thought is when we start thinking about the first commandment, well, I don't have a problem with that one. We, every Sunday we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. We, we confess that I have the one true God. I believe in Jesus Christ who redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature. I believe in the Holy Spirit who enlightened me with his gifts, and who sanctified and kept me in the true faith. I believe in that God. But I wonder if we think about the extremes of our life, if we might see, see in our lives that perhaps some other gods are starting to crowd their way in. Luther gives the example in the large catechism. He gives this example and he says, I, I need to give an everyday example of what does it mean to have a God. And he says, well, well, suppose to yourself that you think to yourself, when I have plenty and I have all that I need and I have what I need in abundance, then life is good and life is grand. But what is, what is it that happens when all of that disappears? What is it that happens in your heart when all of that goes away? If all of a sudden your life goes to pieces and your life is over and your life is ruined and, and, and you're falling into the pits of despair, then it might be that that property or that money has become a god to you. Or another example that he gives, and I think it's a good one, we, we think to ourselves in the moment that when, when we have respectability and success and acclaim and affirmation from people, then we're somebody. Uh, but what if you don't get the affirmation even when you're doing a good job? Or what if you get the opposite of affirmation? I don't know what the word would be, but you know what I mean. You get the negative feedback. What happens then to your esteem and your value and your meaning and your purpose in life? Does it suddenly disappear because of what people are saying to you or because of how things are going? Then it might be that you have a God. 
What, what I'm getting at is when we're on either side, either things are really good because I have this, or things are really bad because I don't have that, then we might have a God. And I'm saying might because I don't know your heart. I don't even know mine half the time. But I'm saying, as we look at the extremes of our life, we can begin to identify where we might be looking for good things, where, where we might be trusting in something else, where we might be seeking things that we ought not seek in those things. So think about the extremes of emotions. <laughs> I think about anger. When I get super angry about something, has something become more important than it ought to have been? When, when I think about despair or anxiety or worry, am I concerned about something in a way that I ought not to be concerned about it? Or happy. <laughs> if I'm happy because I have something, am I overly happy about it? You get the idea, I think. And especially, I don't know which side is the negative emotions. Which, is it this side or that side? We'll pick a side. <laughs> My left side. Right? I think especially in the negative emotions, worry, anxiety, anger, frustration, all those negative emotions that we have, I wonder if it's because, again, I'm just thinking this out through with you out loud, I wonder if that's because we're starting to see the thing that we're trusting for what it is. Because what happened in our frustration or our anger or anxiety or our fear, someone or something let us down. And why did it let us down? Because it's not a God. And because it can't bear the weight of being God. Because it simply is not. It's, it's a little bit like, I hate to use the word because it means another thing, but it's like a straw man. Because it really is just straw. And when, you put, and when we put the pressure of God on that person or that thing, it will always let us down because it's not God. But see, that's where I think the blessing of the extremes comes in. Because when we have these over-the-top emotions or experiences about what's happening in our life, then we start to look at the thing that we're having the extreme emotions about and we start to look through it. It let us down, and that's good, because then we have to turn to the one who can bear the weight of being God. There is only one, and you know who he is. And he is perfectly good at doing what only he can do. He is perfectly strong to bear the weight of being God because that's who he is. See, the, the weight of your life, just mapping out your life and planning not just your past or your present but your future too, the burden of laying that out and then making sure that it happens, he took care of that before the creation of the world. And by his power and might and because of his great love for you, he's intimately and carefully involved in every nook and cranny of your life to carry out his good purposes in your life. He's your father who loves you. Who, Luther said it this way, who richly and daily provides all that you need for body and life. So like a chick looking to her mother, so our eyes look to you, O oh Lord, and you give us our food at the proper time. 
He opens up his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. Jesus said it this way, so why do you worry? The birds don't, the flowers don't. Look to your God who gives what you need. Look to your God who alone can and will protect you and keep you safe. He commands his angels and gives them charge over you to guard you in all of your ways. And did you know that God, Hebrews chapter 1, did you know that God commands his angels, he, he calls them ministering spirits sent to serve you who will inherit salvation? Angels are not just there to protect you, they're there as your servants to accomplish God's purpose in your life, to save you. See, and, and it's not just the weight of life and getting through life that God can handle the weight of. You know that. It, it's also the weight of your sin. See, if it was left to you to bear the weight of doing all the right things and not doing all the wrong things, if it was up to you to pay the price for all the things that you failed to do and all the things that you did do, if it was up to you to bear that weight, you couldn't bear it either. I know you can't because I can't. And I know we can't because God said so. That's why it's so important that Jesus came and it's why it's so important that Jesus is not just a true man, but he's also true God. I've been talking about that with the eighth graders over the last couple of times with them. We've been talking about why did Jesus have to be true man and true God? Because both natures are absolutely necessary. He had to be both. To put it simply, he had to be man so that he could live and die, so that he could submit himself to God's law and be perfect in our place. He had to be God so that his work as true man was enough. Not just for one person, but for all the people. And for all the people of all time. See, because he is God, he can absolutely carry the weight and pay the freight, the weight, the price, for not just one person's sins, but for all the people's sins. And all the people's sins of all time. See, your God is absolutely worthy and powerful and mighty to bear the weight that must be carried as the only true God. So what if we began to see and think about the extremes of our lives as ways of thinking about what am I trusting in beyond the true God, besides the true God? so that all things I might see through those things as the straw things that they are and lean on the one who alone bears the weight not just for our lives now, but for our lives eternally. God help us. Amen.